Good evening to you all and thank you for joining us once again for the Salvation Meeting here on Fortress Radio. When we decided to make September the 20th, 2020 our Harvest Sunday here on Fortress Radio, the idea came to me quite quickly to make tonight's meeting something of a songs of praise. Just as well as it turned out, as I don't have very much voice today, so there'll be less of me and more of the praise and worship as we join together this evening. What do you mean, hallelujah? Let's start with song number 39. It's a hymn of praise set to Beethoven's simple yet great tune, Joyful, Joyful We Adore Thee, and we'll sing along with the massed forces of a Canadian festival of gospel song. As we pray together tonight, I want us to thank God for all his goodness to us. And what better chorus could we sing than John Larson's Thank you, God, for your gift beyond words. 
with words taken directly from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thank you, God, for your indescribable gift. This chorus was originally published in the Happiness and Harmony booklet, and we're going to sing along tonight with the recording of songs that were taken from that book. Now it's a surprising 30 years old already. Thank you, God, for your gift beyond words. come to you this evening with happy, joyful hearts, as we thank you and praise you for all good gifts around us, sent from heaven above. At this time of harvest, we thank you for everything that is grown in the fields, corn, wheat, fruit and vegetables, and we delight in the wonder and diversity of nature. Animals, birds, fish, and every creature that walks, flies, or swims in this beautiful world. Help us to care for the world, and help this world to learn how to share its resources. For you provide enough for all the world, and it's only our human greed and selfishness that prevents that from being the reality. For there are still people living in hunger people living in poverty, and children crying and dying for the sake of a crust of bread. So while we praise you for the whole of creation, we also bow our heads in shame at man's inhumanity to other men. And we pray that as time goes by, the world will learn to listen to your voice and attempt to put things right on our planet, where things have sadly gone so wrong. Be with each of us in our own lives, and we pray that to each of us your presence in our lives will always be a bright, living reality, and that you will inspire us to share the great news of your goodness, love and saving power with everyone we meet. Be with each of us as we share in this time of worship this evening. Amen. Our next song this evening is number 26. It's not specifically a harvest song, but it does mention harvest, and it's one of the church's great songs of praise and honour to the God of creation. 
Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me.
Now, while our army has been very well blessed over the years with songs that celebrate or mark Christmas, Easter and many other times of the year, I've always felt that there's been far less songs and band pieces that focus on harvest time. But this singing company song from 1977 is one that we do have, and with words by M.A. Headlam and music by Ray Stedman Allen, this is Harvest Glory, sung for us tonight by the Kettering Citadel Singing Company. lovely song that is. Our thanks to the children for bringing us that beautiful message. Now for our band piece this evening we're going to be treated to something a little bit special. It's Commissioner Sir Dean Goffin's wonderful paean of praise, Symphony of Thanksgiving. You will hear reference to Come Ye Thankful People Come and other tunes as well including the hymn tune St Philip and ends, of course, with Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. So here are the Enfield Citadel Band playing Symphony of Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you. 
is taken from John chapter 4 verses 27 to 42. Just then Jesus' disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman but no one asked what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. His disciples said to each other, Could someone else have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from that towns believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Saviour of the world. Amen. Many of our songs this evening have had in common the theme of thanking God for his wonderful creation. And the next song is no exception. It's brought to us by the chorus of massed voices from the Royal Albert Hall Gospel Arts Festival of 2003. And that chorus, I believe, was made up of many youth choruses from all around the UK territory. They're going to sing for us John Rutter's lovely setting of the old hymn, For the Beauty of the Earth. And if you want to follow the words, they're number 14 in the song.
We're going to share together now two more songs of praise. Firstly, a real harvest favourite, Bringing in the Sheaves. It's song number 58 in our songbook, and will be led by the London Singers. And then we'll be hearing the Melbourne Veterans Band. They're going to sing us that lovely hymn by the American musician George Beverly Shea, The Wonder of It All. And that's number 65 in our books. Two lovely songs so fitting for our meeting this evening. Between the two songs, we're going to hear a short harvest poem written by one of my favourite ever Salvationists, General John Gowans. Now that the autumn leaves begin to fall, the peasant stacks his logs against the wall, and when this pleasant sun shall hide his face and his pale brother take his winter place, secure against the coming icy blast, the wise man has his stock, and it will last, 
Until the spring returns, he'll fear no storm. He has enough laid by to keep him warm. So in my summers, teach me thrifty ways to store some joys against the winter days. There's the wonder of sunset at evening The wonder and sunrise I see But the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul Is the wonder that God loves me To think that God loves me Oh, the wonder of it all The wonder of it all Just to think that God loves me There's the wonder of springtime and harvest stars the sun but the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is a wonder that's only begun the wonder of it all the wonder of it all just to think There was nothing quite like the old Salvation Army Harvest weekend, was there? <laughs> really, it had to be experienced to be believed, didn't it? We'd often start on the Saturday evening with a music festival. There may even have been a visiting section, a band or a songster brigade, who'd arrived on a coach earlier in the afternoon and had just enjoyed the ever-present ham salad for tea. Oh, it so often was a ham salad, do you remember? And buttered bread cut into triangles and a really welcoming, thick, strong cup of army tea made in a pot that was too big for one lady to lift on her own. Or we may have had a harvest supper. What made up the harvest supper depended on where in the UK we were. As an officer's kid, I lived everywhere from the northeast of England to the southwest of England, and also parts of Wales. In many places, it was a ploughman's lunch for harvest supper. But in Bargoid, South Wales, we used to have faggots and peas. Well, for those who don't know what a faggot is, it's a large pork and liver meatball. 
and it's so much nicer than the minced beef meatball that we have today with our spaghetti. I can assure you of that. In the southwest of England, it would often be fish and chips. Why not in Cornwall, where the whole county is surrounded by the sea? At Camborne, the bandmaster, Ken Norton, even owned the fish and chip shop that was right by the Salvation Army Hall. Perhaps the strangest supper that I remember was one that I only encountered in Yorkshire. There, the harvest supper was a hot pork pie, baked in the oven and served with mushy peas and mint sauce. It was, to my surprise, very tasty. I'd only ever eaten pork pies cold up until that point, and of course pork pies are often part of that ploughman's lunch with which I began. Then would come the Sunday morning. I remember being up bright and early on Harvest Sunday morning because me and my sisters were going to be on show. We had our basket. It was always the same one, a green wicker basket with a long arched handle. And it was always filled with the best that we could find. Potatoes, carrots, apples, a cabbage, and just maybe a nice bar of chocolate hidden between the fruit and veggies. We'd line up outside the hall with all the other youngsters and wait for the band to start to play. It was always bringing in the sheaves. Then we'd march down the aisle into the hall and pass our baskets to the YPSM, who always had a beaming smile and would add them to the already bulging tables of produce. There in the middle was usually a big loaf of bread in the shape of a sheaf of corn, and my dad always used to make sure that amongst all the other produce, we didn't take for granted simple things, like a glass of clean water, and in Wales particularly, a nice lump of coal. Another completely different type of fruit of the earth. My dad often used to try to do something different for harvest too. Again in Cornwall at that lovely core in Camborne, sadly it's not there any longer, we had a harvest of the sea. Dad managed to get hold of half a fishing boat from somewhere and that took up half the platform. And then fishing nets were hung around the walls. There were strips of seaweed, buckets and spades, sand, rocks and pebbles, shells and lobster pots, everything you could think of. And as well as the usual fruit and vegetables, the core folk brought fish and crabs and cockles, whelks and winkles, everything you could imagine. It was a great experience that I remember very well. But the hall did smell a bit funny by Tuesday night when we turned up for band practice. In Tunstall, Dad held a harvest of flowers. There's a photograph somewhere of an immense block of colour that stretched right across the platform down to the mercy seat and out into the congregation. So many flowers. The hall smelt rather better that year. And right in the middle of all these flowers, Dad managed to get hold of a replica of Holman Hunt's famous painting of Jesus standing outside the heart's door. The light of the world. And the meetings all that day used the theme. If I remember correctly, under bandmaster Don Perry played Dean Goffin's wonderful meditation of that same name in both services. 
But best to me at Harvest Weekend was Monday evening. Did you stretch Harvest Weekend out to Monday as well? Friday we'd gone to the shops and bought the produce. Saturday we made the baskets up from the produce. Sunday we brought the produce and gave them to the Harvest Festival. And on Monday we all came back to the hall and some wisecrack sold it all back to us again at an auction. And if you really wanted those luscious, red, rosy apples, you'd go out of your way to outbid the Home League secretary and end up paying twice as much for them on Monday as you originally had on Friday in the supermarket. We all have our harvest memories, I'm sure, don't we? How many times have we heard sermons based on the parable of the sower? Oh yes, if we have ears, then too right, we've heard... And it's rather easy, therefore, to greatly undervalue what harvest is really all about. Another thing I remember was going in the car with Dad as he visited farms in the week before harvest. He would receive from the farmers the fruits of the fields. Maybe he wanted to borrow a couple of bales of hay or a real wheat sheaf. But I remember one farmer saying to him in all seriousness... I'm only giving you this on the one condition, that you don't sing, come ye thankful people, come. Because we've only just started here, and we've another month or so of really hard work to do before all is safely gathered in. Living in Lincolnshire now, where I see exactly the same thing, I know just what he means. But also at harvest time, we were usually reminded of our Christian responsibility to preach the word of God to the people we meet. Every year we were chastened with that challenge. The fields are white unto harvest, but the labourers are few. From John chapter 4 verse 35, of course, Jesus says these words as the disciples are encouraging him to have something to eat. But he turns the focus of their worries from him back onto them by issuing them with the challenge. There they were, in an unfriendly part of the world, Samaria, where the local people and the Jews had a long-standing mutual animosity towards each other. And Jesus seemed to be telling the disciples to go preach to them. It hardly made sense to them. Yet Jesus had already led the way earlier by speaking to the woman at the well where he sat. And it's no coincidence, of course, that she returned just as the disciples watching, proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah and urging her fellow Samaritans to believe in him, as she had already done. Yes, there were those fields ready for the harvest. Which brings us to today. I must admit to you that at times of late... I have been a little discouraged. Are those fields still white for the harvest in 2020? Oh, don't get me wrong. I know there are a whole lot of people, billions of them in this world, who need Jesus, who need to know of a loving Saviour who wants to love them, care for them, restore them, forgive them and give them eternal life in him to give them that same living water that Jesus offered the Samaritan woman. But are those fields really ripe, right now, for that harvest? 
the wheat on the stalk at this time of the year is just ready to be gathered. A few weeks earlier, it wouldn't be ripe. A few weeks later, it would have spoiled. That harvest is ready. But are the people in our world ready for Jesus? There's a big part of me that says the people in our world today are further from Jesus than they ever have been. There are many in the world who have absolutely no interest in wanting to meet him. They are adamant they have absolutely no need of Jesus. They don't know him, they don't know of him, and they have no interest in him. It's not that the world we live in is particularly anti-Jesus. I don't honestly think he's important enough for most people for them to be even bothered to be anti-him. There's just this almost total antipathy, an apathetic atheism amongst the vast majority of people wherever we look. So how can the fields of 2020 be white unto harvest. We know. Oh yes, we know. And we can sing to our hearts content that people need the Lord. There are people hurting in the world out there. They need Christ. But we are a long, long way from being able to take Jesus to those people. But if we don't, who will? A few years ago now, I wrote a song based on the old army slogan, Heart to God, Hand to Man. And I asked a similar question in the middle eight of that song. But how, when life has gone so wrong, can we make men aware that their hope lies in a saviour they don't even know is there? How indeed. The world has never been in this state before. In the early days of the Salvation Army, there was an enthusiasm and a drive in us to get out onto the streets, into the forts of darkness and to storm them, to drag out the sinners and get them converted. But to those people, they were being reintroduced to a Jesus they'd already known. They were usually talked about Jesus as children, either at home or in Sunday school. And the existence of God and a respect for him was instilled into them, taught at school. Well, that's something that, apart from in church schools, disappeared completely in the 20th century. Is it any wonder the world is in the mess it's in? Yes, the fields today really are still ripe for that harvest. We all have to admit that those fields are still there. The need for Jesus is still there. Our desire to share Jesus with the world is still there. But the devil has now got his claws so deeply into this world, he isn't going to let go without the most almighty struggle. I'd say the importance of being a Christian in the world of 2020 is more important than it ever has been before. 
and the onus and responsibility is on every single one of us, requiring us to be more than just somebody who goes to church or says they believe in God. For we need every single one of us. We need to be his representatives to take Jesus to all the world. That song I wrote and asked the question also contains the answer to the question. The next four lines read, Through a life of sacrifice, the Lord is shown to men. He has no hands but Christians' hands to give them hope again. So let each of us pray that we are ready for that harvest, that we are committed to taking Jesus to the world. Our hearts are tuned to God through prayer and devotion, our hands reaching out to mankind. That's why there's still a Salvation Army in 2020. That's why we're here together tonight, because we want to offer ourselves once again to go into those fields. The fields may not be as white unto harvest as they once were, but they're still there, and the labourers, if anything, are even fewer. Lord, help us meet all the needs, spiritual and physical, of the people who we meet today and always. Our hearts to you and our hands to your children, that we may take you to them and bear fruit for your kingdom through our own lives. Amen. Shelter for the homeless, comfort for their pain, hope that men may turn from hate and search for God again, food to satisfy the hungry, love to meet the need of a world that hurts from day to day in hatred, war and greed heart to God and hand to man. I give you my will, surrender all my life to your plan. Wherever you need me, I want to be there. My life on your altar, listen to my prayer. Mercy for the poor, 
Well, to me, there's only one song that we can end this lovely time of fellowship together by singing. And that's song number 49 in the songbook, How Great Thou Art. I'd like to thank you for joining me this evening, and I'd also like to thank all those who've taken part. 
We've heard from the Enfield Citadel Band. We've heard from the London singers. We've heard from various massed choruses around the world and bands with them. We've also heard, of course, from the Kettering Scene Company. God bless you in all you do for him this week. How great thou art.
Lord, tonight as we've lifted our hearts and voices to you, the creator of the whole universe and the Lord of all, we simply want you to know that we love you. We worship you and adore you for all your goodness to each and every one of us. Inspire us, Lord, to share with everyone we encounter the wonder of knowing you, knowing your love, and even more, knowing your saving grace. The grace that saves us from the bonds of sin and darkness. For you indeed, Lord, are worthy of all praise, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 